Hey folks, it's Greg Allman with the Tampa Bay Times at tampabay.com here in the Cannon Fodder Podcast here on Wednesday, December 20th, uh, kind of midweek here, looking back on Monday still a little bit with the Falcons getting ready for Sunday's road game for the Bucks at Carolina in Charlotte. The big news Tuesday night is that Gerald McCoy, uh, as expected, is going back to the Pro Bowl for the sixth year in a row. Congratulations to Gerald. Well-deserved. Um, again, McCoy is somebody that takes a lot of pride in uh, in being recognized by his peers. And I don't want to make it seem like this is at the expense of any, any team accomplishment. I think he won success with the team first and foremost. And we'll tell you if you talk to him. I mean, for him to have uh, the time he's had in the NFL now, with eight NFL seasons and no playoff games, um, that's a major sore spot for him. But I do think he takes a great amount of pride in continuing this streak. Um, this is six in a row for him. The only Bucks players to have longer Pro Bowl streaks, uh, Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks, both in the Pro Football Hall of Fame now. Uh, Leroy Selman and Mike Allstott also had six in a row in their careers as well. So, again, McCoy, uh, I think, had ranked fifth in the fan balloting at defensive tackle, uh, third in the NFC, and uh, again, I mean, you look at what he's done, um, this is something that's voted upon by players, coaches, and fans, and I think there is a respect for, especially among coaches, how much uh, his opponents have to game plan for him, have to prepare to try and limit his ability to disrupt things, more so than anybody else on the field. Um, and, and just to run through things here, there are three bucks that are kind of... Uh, in waiting as potential Pro Bowlers to join him. Levante David uh, is a second alternate as an outside linebacker. Cam Brate and Quan Alexander are third alternates. Uh, they'd need a lot of help to get in, but it's possible that Levante gets into the second alternate. It would be his first Pro Bowl. Uh, it would be nice for him. You know, Levante, when we talk about Pro Bowl, this is an annual gripe, whether it's Levante or anybody else. Uh, the way the NFL handles outside linebacker in the Pro Bowl is a source of frustration in that NFL has three, four teams and they have four, three teams and it's a decent split down the middle between the two but if you're a three, four outside linebacker you're essentially a defensive end. You're a pass rusher. You're an edge rusher. Your primary goal is getting to the quarterback and if you're a four, three outside linebacker you are often dropping in coverage you might be attacking the quarterback occasionally. You might be stopping the run. It's much more of a linebacker position than a defensive end position. So it's odd that the NFL insists on lumping them all together as outside linebackers when Ryan Kerrigan's job, Ryan Kerrigan has nine sacks and Levante David has none. So you look at it, you say, wow, why would you ever consider Levante David? And this guy has nine sacks and he has none. So, so Levante David's... I mean, there's occasional times where they want Levante David to get to the quarterback, but more often than not, his job is in the is, is the middle of that defense with Quan Alexander. It's it's stopping the run. It's it's stopping passes to the running back. It's the first contact on short routes. There, there's lots of things that Levante David does that have nothing to do with what three four outside linebackers do. So it, it would be to me like if you said rather than have an All Star game with the best third baseman, shortstop, second baseman, first baseman. If you just pick best four infielders, and you got second basemen that are really good defensively, who are up against corner infielders that have ridiculous power numbers and are driving in 120 runs, their positions are different. So to put them against each other for the same spots in the Pro Bowl, 
to me is, is not fair to either side, and especially to the four three linebackers like Levante David, who do their job well. Uh, I mean, Levante David to have five forced fumbles, five fumbled recoveries is the best in the NFL at that. And he doesn't have the splash numbers in terms of sacks or interceptions, but he's leading his team in tackles, and he's leading the league in a key splash category for defenders. You can make a good case for why he deserves to be there. I think the fact that he isn't has more to do with the odd way the Pro Bowl divvies up players, especially linebackers, than it does anything that Levante David did or didn't do. Um, so that's next month in Orlando. We know McCoy's there now. It was McCoy and Evans last year. At least Gerald over there in, in Orlando. Uh, I'm sure we'll go over there. I think it's January 28th is the date. Uh, fun event last year, both in leading up to it and then the game itself. They're at Camping World Stadium. Um, I do want to go back to the injury bug. Dirk Cutter uh, had a little bit of news, but I think most of it's going to come after this podcast comes out on Wednesday morning. But... Uh, we're expecting four or five guys going on injured reserve out of this whole lot that got hurt uh, Monday night against Atlanta. Uh, Cutter confirmed that <coughs> Darius Glanton and J.R. Sweezy are both done for the year. Uh, Glanton broke his lower leg, had to have surgery yesterday. Uh, so that's a, a major surgical injury. Uh, I don't think it's anything that will affect him next year. But Glanton's out. Uh, as a result of that, I think we might have even mentioned this in the podcast yesterday, uh, Nigel Harris from Hillsborough High School from USF, he will get the call up. Uh, there's a good chance that he will play for three NFL teams in the same season. You don't get that very often. Had, uh, I think, seven games with the Chargers, two games with the Giants, and now, potentially, uh, two games with his hometown Bucks. Again, we, we talked a little bit about this. I, I believe, by the books, he is the first guy to play high school, play college, and play NFL football in Tampa proper. Uh, went to Hillsborough High School, went to USF. There have been a couple guys that are really close. Uh, Tyrone McKenzie's from Riverview, which is certainly Hillsborough County. If you were telling somebody in Nebraska where it's from, you'd probably say Tampa, but it is Riverview technically. Um, a couple others like Mike Jenkins, like Ryan Benjamin, have played locally within a county of Tampa, but not really in Tampa exactly. So. That would be neat for him if he gets to play on Sunday and suit up for the first time. Uh, talked to Nigel last week when he first got uh, signed to the practice squad last week and was very excited to be a part of things. Grew up with these bucks. You know, if you're a 21, 22-year-old, you cut your teeth in football as the bucks were winning a Super Bowl. And that's definitely a neat thing to grow up with and have as one of your first football memories. So a lot of these guys like that. Uh, want to do that and want to get the Bucks back to that. That's something that's a big motivation for Nigel Harris. be fun to see him. We mentioned J.R. Sweezy is out. Uh, we don't know if there's an offensive line move to be made in response to that. They had Mike Lidke inactive last week, so in theory they could just have him active and have seven, but it just has them very thin if there's any injuries at all. They have two relatively inexperienced tackles on the practice squad they could call up. The other guy we do know they called up from the practice squad is Channing Ward. A uh, guy we would have talked about a lot last year, playing as an undrafted rookie. Uh, Ward's been on the practice squad all year uh, and now gets the call up uh, for the last two games. Uh, there's probably two or three others out of O.J. Howard, Deshaun Jackson, Justin Evans that will go on IR, and there'll be other moves made accordingly. Um, I'm sure there's a couple other practice squad moves. They could sign somebody off the street, off the practice squad of another team. Um, basically, this lets them get a two-week head start 
on the street free agents they would sign January 2nd, um, on the guys that they would sign with an eye toward the 90-man roster in the offseason, they can do it now. Usually when you sign a guy this late in the year, you give him a two-year deal so you know he's back for next year as well. We, we did mention on with Adarius Glanton, uh, Adarius is a restricted free agent. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, he's been a very good special teams player. He has stepped up as probably their best backup linebacker. This year, I think he had 20 tackles in three games early on when Quan and Lamonte were hurt. Um, so Glanton has generally been a league minimum type guy, like $600,000 a year, $700,000 a year. For him to get tendered as a restricted free agent is about $1.7 million. So really about triples his salary. And with the injury, I'm not sure if the Bucks will do that or not. Um, as a primarily a special teams player, they might take the gamble that they can bring him back, they can non-tender him and bring him back for less than 1-7 and still get to keep him. Um, sometimes you do that and they go sign somewhere else. Sometimes you do that and the player is understanding. And even if they had an offer from elsewhere, you kind of have the right to the right of first refusal, a chance to match or, or better an offer to try and keep your guy. So that that puts a little bit of a wrinkle, his injury, in how he fits into their offseason plans, whether he's tendered or whether they just try and bring him back on his own. Great player on special teams, has stepped up very well when needed as a linebacker. So I would think they want that. I just don't know if they want to pay $1.7 million for that. Um, we'll get more on that in terms of who exactly is hurt and what roster moves they have to make. You know, they're already dealing with the potential of having McCoy and Levante David out again. We'll know better whether they practice this afternoon, whether either of those two could come back. But you add those two together with Marpet, with Dotson, they've had a bunch of players go on IR. Vernon Hargraves is another guy that could go on IR. He's already missed five games with that hamstring. Um, you might make the decision with not much on the line rather than risk him re-injuring re -injuring or aggravating his hamstring. Maybe, maybe you just shut him down the rest of the year. Um, that would certainly be a disappointing sophomore season for Vernon Hargraves either way. I mean, to go from being a full-time every-down corner to in a nickel role and then hurt for most of the second half of the season, that's not what they envisioned for him. And it puts a big question mark on that position in the offseason because I don't know how much they can count on Hargraves to be next year. He's almost like somebody you have to draft around or sign someone around. And if he comes back and plays at the level he was, even as a rookie, that's just a bonus. But you can't really count on it, both on the field or physically. Um, that's a tricky situation there. Cornerback is a position we could see a lot of change yet. If Brent Grimes isn't back, you could see a free agency starter come in. You could see a high draft pick come in as a starter. Um, this could be a very different team at cornerback. We don't know how Ryan Smith fits in there. He's kind of been an every-down corner, um, which clearly shows they're investing in him. They wanted him to have the experience to have some growth going into his third season. But I don't know that he can expect to go into next year as the guy to beat. Um, you know, he might be the third corner. He might be somebody they see competing for a starting job. But we'll, we'll deal with that when it comes up here. Uh, one note on the Carolina side of things for Sunday, Thomas Davis who had a two-game suspension for his hit on Sunday, uh, had his suspension reduced to one game, but uh, that's still Sunday. So he will still miss the Bucks game on Sunday. That's a big boost for Tampa Bay. Um, they still have Keekley, obviously, still have an elite linebacker there. But to, to not have the two of them together at linebacker is a help for the Bucks offense. As they try and get a, a tough win on the road, Carolina can clinch a playoff berth with a win. So 
I think they'll be fairly motivated to play well at home on Christmas Eve to lock that up. But uh, who knows? Bucks want to try and avoid uh, finishing the year on, on such a slide and potentially going winless in the NFC South. So there's motivation on both sides there. Um, guys, that's going to wrap things up. We'll have a lot more tomorrow, but thank you guys for listening. Uh, Gerald McCoy to the Pro Bowl. That's your big news. Uh, be interesting to see uh, who might join him as you see these injuries pop up, as teams have postseason conflicts that might keep players from being in Orlando. Uh, curious to see whether anybody can join Gerald there in Orlando, but we'll have lots more on that uh, here in the next two weeks. Thanks again for listening, folks. We'll be back on Thursday for the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. This is Greg Allman. Thanks for listening to the Cannon Fodder Podcast.